0: When you're in those valleys and when you're feeling situational depression and when you're feeling down, you're not going to want to change yourself. That's not the time to make these necessary changes. It's when you're up, think about, okay, what happens if I go back down again? Then how do I get out of it? Figure out how to do it when you're at your peak. It's just preparation. You're listening to the Talking 20 Podcast. This podcast is for you if you're in your 20s and you're thinking, what the hell am I doing? We've all been there and we wanna talk about it. We're your hosts, Bridget O'Rourke and Mary Margaret Courtney and we sit down with fellow millennials to chat about their journey and hear what they've learned along the way. Let's get started.
1: Hello everybody, Mary Margaret here and I am one half of Talking20 and today I have the pleasure of chatting with my other half of Talking20, the one and only Bridget O'Rourke. Here's the deal. Bridget is one of the most authentic, honest, and unique people I know. I've watched her face adversity with resilience, and her determination is something to be admired. So today we are going to learn a little more about Bridge and how she got to where she is today. Okay, so we are talking all things 20 Bridge, but let's take it back for just a minute. Mm, Okay. When you were, let's say, 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew
0: up? A pet store-inarian is what I like to call it. I wanted to work at a pet store.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you made that name up.
0: Yeah, a pet store-inarian. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to work with animals. Why? I just, I've always loved animals. I think I've always had like a caregiver type feel to myself. So I wanted to care for them and sell them to people who can't care for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> That's great. So how
1: long did that go on for? Like, did that dream diminish pretty quickly, like, as you became a teenager
0: or? Yeah, yeah, I think it did diminish pretty quickly. When I, w- when I got into, like, my teenage years, I always wanted to be an actress, just like you. Mu- like, not musical theater. No, I can't sing. Theater. <laughs> I loved theater. I loved um, acting. I wanted to be in movies. I wanted to be in commercials. I never did. But um, that's that was kind of my dream after my pet store in Arian phase which probably only lasted a year well you did do theater
1: yeah 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 i'm really interested in asking this question because i think it gives like insight on people's personalities because when you're like 10 and younger you're not thinking about anything about more than what you just love and what you're like fantasizing about so it's kind of a cool Cool way inside you. And it is true. You are the animal lover of all animal lovers. So let's fast forward then. You're in grade 12. You're being told you now have to make a decision. What's happening after grade 12? What was the game plan?
0: So I wanted to do something with acting. I always wanted to go to school for acting. But my dad advised that I have a backup plan, and it was my mom and my sister who suggested Ryerson for radio and television. They were like, why don't you go into the production side of things, be in the back end of theater, something a little bit more sustainable. And my dad also went to Ryerson, so he was thrilled at that idea. So, yeah, so I applied to radio and television arts at Ryerson University and got in, which was mind-blowing to me. I did not think I was going to get in. This was far-fetched. So yeah, that's what I wanted to do after school, but I didn't know that until it was time to apply for university. I, like, I had to make that decision quickly and figure out essentially what I want to do with my whole life when I didn't even know. So was there an option to not go to school or was it kind of like, just pick something and go? Both my parents went to school. My sister went to school. My brother went to school. So I just didn't even really consider the option of not going to school. I think if I had considered the option of not going to school, my parents would have been supportive of it. They would have understood. It's interesting because you have um, this moment where you're
1: like, yeah, you have to choose this thing that's, like, essentially going to set you on your path into your 20s. And you're, what, 16, 17? Some kids are 18, whatever age. And it's like, hey, pick this thing. And you're like, sure, why not? I'll go. And it's a shit ton of money. And thanks, Mom and Dad. Like, it's crazy. And, like, I love that you were just like, Yeah, sure. All right. Well, we're at that moment. Let's choose the crossroads.
0: (laughs) It's such a scary decision, too, because you don't know who you are. You don't know what you want to do. You're 16. You also don't know the depth of the decision you're making (laughs) at all. Exactly. If I were to go back, I'd be like, just go to school for like something that you don't really care about for a couple of years. Get the social experience. And then when you know what you want to do, go back to school.
1: Yeah, I would definitely look into schools that have like good campus life. And
0: like good residence, like I never did res, and so oh, yeah, I would recommend anybody in first year university has to go to residence. Like they don't have to, but it's just the social aspect of it is something that you won't find anywhere else. It's the first time you're living alone, but you're living alone with all of these other people who are doing it for the first time as well, and you make friends. You're out of your comfort zone. It's just. That was one of the best decisions I think I ever made when I was going to school was not to continue living with my parents and to actually get out of my comfort zone and go live alone. And in residence was the best place to do that. Is it like a summer camp all year long? That's what I'm picturing. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Where you can drink. It's like a summer camp that you can drink at.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So that's uh, that's so you're now at Ryerson. You're in Toronto, which is like a huge difference from Orangeville. Mm. From your little yeah. town life to your big
0: city life. And did you feel comfortable yeah. in that decision? Did you feel like you fit in? I did. I, I was really nervous at first. I didn't know if I would. It was a big change for me. I remember when I walked from... Ryerson is right beside Young and Dundas subway station. Like maybe a five minute walk. And I remember texting my mom the first time I walked from Young and Dundas subway station to Ryerson University being like, I did it! <laughs> Look at me, big girl in the big city! <laughs> It was Like a block away Um, So yeah it was definitely out of my comfort zone But it was eye opening Because in Orangeville In this small little town I feel like I knew a lot of people I kind of knew people's stories Everybody was kind of connected in some way And then you go into this big city Where you pass by strangers on the street And you don't know them It showed me how much more of the world there is to see Than what I was kind of sheltered with In this small little town growing up
1: Yeah totally I never did the city thing and I think that that's actually a really that if I like had a kid and I had to advise them on what to do, that would be a really smart thing is like, hey, like you've lived in a small town all your life. Let's put you in a city mm-hmm. and you're gonna go to school and you're gonna do all this, but like there's your learning experience. Go.
0: Even just going to another small town, just getting out of where you grew up and putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Totally. Is- huge is such a learning experience doesn't necessarily have to be a big city but in the big city you do learn a lot of you learn a lot about the different kinds of people that exist in this world ah
1: yeah (laughs) so then you stayed there for four years your program
0: yeah i was there for four years because it was a four-year program and then after that i moved elsewhere
1: and so you're now heading into your 20s you're in second year of school yep at this point. And mm-hmm. are
0: you finding yourself at this point? Are you finding yourself lost? I felt like I, for the first three years of my 20s, up until I was 23, I didn't really have that lost feeling, mostly because I was in a system. Like, I was in school. I knew what I was doing the next day. I knew what I was doing the next year. Nothing. There was no questions about anything. So I was able to just, you know, hustle and work my butt off and get different opportunities and different jobs. But that was only for the first half of my 20s when I was in school and felt like I knew where I was going at that moment.
1: So then it sounds like you head into the Lost Soul vibe later in your 20s. Is that that a positive experience for you? We talk a bunch about peaks and valleys. Like, are you heading into a valley at this point that you just... Don't know why you're lost, or...?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, after school, I did the same kind of... I did a similar thing as you. I postponed getting a job, and I went traveling. I went to Ireland to au pair. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know what au pairing is, that's nannying abroad in exchange. You, you work with a specific family, and in exchange for your nannying services, you get accommodation, food, and, like, a small allowance So I did that because I had no money. I was poor and I was like, I want to travel, but I also need money. So super amazing experience. In hindsight, yes, I was probably just pushing off getting a job, but would not change it for the world.
1: Yeah. Like if you could go back to that time, do you think that version of Bridget is scared of jumping out of school or were you looking for that next adventure? Like, have you always wanted to go to Ireland? Have you always wanted to au pair?
0: I think I was, honestly, I think I was just... Scared of coming out of school because I do have an adventurous soul. I do like to do that stuff, but that was never on my mind. I was never planning to do that. It was kind of a quick decision. I was like, oh oh shit, now what? Okay, I'll travel. Yeah, me
1: knowing you, I remember you saying it and I was like, that's ballsy. Like, I didn't think that that was something you would go do. Even in my travels, like, I never committed to like going and au pairing. I could have easily done that, but I was like, no, it's too much commitment to go there and like have to stay.
0: Yeah, but I mean, also, I've been babysitting throughout my, throughout my 20s. Babysitting has always been my job, kind of like my, every, uh, my, my backup plan. So it wasn't completely random that I did it. I was like, okay, so how can I make money and also travel? I have this great experience babysitting. Maybe I should do that. So it wasn't completely off the path. But it definitely was me being like, Okay, I'm scared. I don't know if I can get a job in media or in radio. I'm just gonna go and keep babysitting. <laughs> but I'm gonna do it somewhere else. <laughs> so you kind of threw yourself
1: into media and radio as this like backup plan. So your your mm-hmm. mom and sister called it, but you come out of school going like that's the industry I wanna be in. This is what I wanna do.
0: Well, actually when I came out of school, I was I was a little bit confused because Babysitting, my passion is all like has been kids, but I didn't know that until I was twenty, until I was in school for radio and television. And I was like, maybe I want to be a nanny for the rest of my life. Maybe I wanna be a teacher. What do I wanna do? And I was like, I'm just gonna stick with this media production thing, uh, because I did love it. But it did scare me a little bit because I thought maybe I was in for the wrong thing. Mm,
1: yeah. Well, it's so funny too, right? Like we lose that systematic thing. That we ha- we know what's coming up every year. And even though you went to your post-secondary, you did the four years, it gives you a bit more structure. But you come out of it mm-hmm. and then you go like, should I just do something completely different and pretend like that didn't happen?
0: Like to have, she yeah. was <laughs> like, just keep going, just keep trying. You're like, no, I'm going to go au pair. If I had a couple extra years after high school, I probably would have been able to figure that kind of stuff out. However, then I probably would have gone into childcare and not be, and I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm-hmm. So... It all worked out. But um, but yeah, it was, defi- it was definitely like a scary moment. So you're in Ireland and you're... Uh, is that just like a
1: great, awesome experience the whole time you're there? Did you ever say like, I want to go
0: home. I want my mom. Yeah. So actually, when I first got to Ireland, I ended up... I, I went with my best friend and we both were au pairing for families that were living close together. And neither of us really felt like we jived with the families. It was... There there was nothing wrong with them. It just... The fit wasn't right. And the place that we were in Ireland wasn't right. We wanted to be able to go out at night, but we were really far from the city center. So that kind of brought me into, like, a situational depression, I think, because I didn't know what to do. I was so uncertain. I was like, I don't... The the temptation to go home was so strong, but I knew that my story there wasn't over. Mm. So I had to kind of figure out an alternate plan. So... I was looking for other families in Ireland to au pair for, see if maybe there was somebody in Dublin. We could move over to Dublin and be closer to the city center. And Samara and I found this family who had three kids, and they were looking for two au pairs to split the job because the parents were very – the parents were super busy. They had long work days, so legally they had to have two au pairs, and we – did a meeting with them and we both loved each other and we moved in the following week. We just we told the families that we were originally with that we were going home. <laughs> but we weren't. <laughs> we just moved to a different part of Ireland. Did you ever run into them? No, we were like in a completely different part of Ireland. I don't even remember their names to be honest, but that was so scary. I remember the only thing that would make me happy at that point in time. <laughs> was meeting up with Samara at the restaurant on the corner and eating dessert pizza. That's, like, what I look forward to every day. And I was like, I'm, like, thing, it just felt so dark. Everything felt so dark. It was scary. I was like, I need to change this. And my mom was worried about me. My mom was like, maybe you need to come home because mental health-wise, I was not doing well. But I ended up, you know, pulling pulling myself out of it, which is... A lot easier said than done, and it was situational. Fortunately, so I was able to I was able to do that. But, but yeah, so it wasn't all you know great the whole time. But after that, it was friggin' amazing. It was the most amazing experience. Once we were with the right family, we made friends. It was fantastic. So then I came That's back working. from Ireland. Um, I was twenty three, and this is when shit got scary. Like this is when I started to feel lost because I came back and. I didn't have a job. I didn't know what to do. Um, I had been babysitting for... uh, Before I went to Ireland, I had been babysitting for one of the Toronto Blue Jays, Michael Saunders, which was a really cool experience. And he actually recommended me to Bautista, which everybody knows who Bautista is. And so I had an interview with them, and I didn't get that job. And I was devastated so that was like starting off when I got back I just didn't get this job that I really really wanted and then I'm looking around living with my parents and I'm looking around for jobs in media production because I'm like okay I have to stop using babysitting as a as a crutch like I have to I have to Mm -hmm. stop taking short jobs of babysitting in order to push keep pushing off the inevitable having to get a job in my field so I was looking for jobs then I remember being super poor, vacu- I took a video of myself vacuuming my mom's house for money. <laughs> like I was just like, oh, what do I do? Starting. To- this is when you're starting to pay back student loans as well. So Sorry, you're wait. Like- I gotta
1: ask about this video. So the vid- were you promoting yourself to vacuum people's houses, or were you selling the video? For-
0: <laughs> no, I was taking a Snapchat about how sad my life was. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> yeah, that was clear. Nothing to do with any of that.
0: Yes, yeah, so this is when you're starting to pay back student loans, oh, boy. and you're starting to learn about finances, and you're living with your parents, and you're thinking, okay, I could end up anywhere right now. I got, I have to find a job, and I'm just going to have to adapt to wherever that is at this point. So that was really scary. So
1: weird that like mm-hmm. you're 23, but you feel yeah. like you've run out of yeah. time. You're 23, like that. You're not at the finish line. You're okay, but it's like. Why does this feel so empty and, like, there's no safety net under me? But there was.
0: Like, there is one. You know what I mean? There is one. You just don't know it at the time. Like, you just no. don't know that things are going to work out. And you're hustling and you, you're you also, you're applying to jobs and you keep getting turned down. And it's just such a, like, you just don't see the end of it. And you get so attached to a job. You apply to it. You go for an interview. You're more attached to it. And then you don't get it. And it's just a constant blow to your self-esteem, yeah. It's so hard. My first job after I got back from Ireland, I got a job at a radio station, which was so fun, super nerve wracking. Like the day of my interview, I was so sick and I was going to be like an on-air radio host sounding like, like, hi hey, guys. <laughs> Some so, people like that, you know? Maybe they do. Yeah. <laughs> so I sent in like a, like a, Little project that I had made in first year university And I was like, this is what I actually sound like So I got that job, it was so scary It was so out of my comfort zone But I did it, I pushed myself to do it And I loved it So this is when things kind of started To feel like they were rolling again in my 20s Like I was like, "All right, I got this job at a radio station It was in Hamilton, I was like, I'm gonna move to Hamilton Found a great apartment, moved here Found a family to babysit for Part-time, so I was part-time doing the radio station Part-time doing... Babysitting I was like this is I love this these are my two favorite things it was the perfect time And then I got fired from the radio station And I haven't really told anybody that to be honest like most of my close friends don't know that I was fired I've been telling people that oh I just you know I didn't really like the hours anymore and blah, blah 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 And I think I was telling people that because it's embarrassing like I was embarrassed that I got fired and on the radio you have to do you do air checks so every once in a while, you go in for a meeting and they'll listen to your past your past weekend and they'll give you pointers. So they brought me in and they listened to it. And it just so happened that the weekend that they were doing the air checks was a really bad weekend for me. I didn't do a good job. So they heard it and then they were like, we're just not impressed with your performance. We're going to let you go. And I was so confused because nobody had given me I was so dedicated. All I wanted to do was learn. So I was like, well, why don't you just tell me what I'm doing wrong? First of all, that was a really bad, like, can we listen to a different weekend? Because that was a really bad weekend. Second of all, if there's something that I'm not doing well, like, Mm -hmm. all I need is guidance. So just, I just need resources. Help me. So anyway, they fired me. It was super devastating. And I went back in a couple days later. And this was like, so hard for me. I went back in to go and talk to like the boss and be like, why? Because like, look at this. I have notes. I have plans. I have like, I'm so dedicated and I really, really want this job. Before
1: you keep going in that moment when you get fired, because you seem pretty confident that you shouldn't have been fired. Did it hit your ego?
0: It was like such a blow to my ego, lowered my self-esteem. It was my first job out of university. Like I was so excited about it. So it was so devastating. So I go to my boss and I'm like, what the hell? Why? And they were like, we're just not happy with your performance. I'm like, I'm dedicated. Like, give me resources. Let me know. So when you
1: went back in, they were like, yeah, no, sorry.
0: Yeah, essentially. And that was like, I really struggle with talking to people of authority. I really struggle with confrontational situations. And I really struggle with organizing my thoughts during emotional times. So this was like a huge thing for me to go back in. And I went back in being like, they're going to give this back to me for sure. Like, that's how I had that. I had to get my mind there. And then they didn't. And I was like, it was like a second blow. I was like, what the hell? (laughs) So are you
1: right now today? You have a new job. You're happy. You can see light at the end of the tunnel. Can you be proud? Are you proud of yourself for that interview or for that
0: meeting? Absolutely. I learned so much about myself and about how to manage my thoughts during a thing like that, like, I really have to write things down is something that I know. If I'm going to have an emotional conversation, I need to have things written down. Otherwise, my emotions take over. Which I think a lot of us could learn from. Like, I could learn from that because I think, like, I've
1: always been quicker on my feet. I prefer, you know, the improvisation mode, things like that. But when things get emotional, your brain doesn't have control mm-hmm. anymore. And totally, like, to go in and talk to someone of authority who's just fired mm-hmm. you to say, like here's my value, here's my worth, give me a second shot, says a lot about you. And in reality, like if I were an advisor, I'd be saying, you don't want to work at a place like that. Like if someone in that situation can't turn around and see like that, like if you came in and did that at my office and I was a boss, I'd be like, man, this person's got so much grit and so much integrity, come back in and we will teach you. Mm -hmm. And that's, it does say a lot about you know, their their type of management, their type of business, which works for them and that's fine, but it doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. So it's okay at the end of the day, like that wasn't your forever work home. Mm-hmm. Right. But I did want to ask what's the side of it that you're owning as your mistakes? Like, did you walk away and go, here's what I could have done better to not get fired?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I could have done better that weekend. I know that I, kn- I even knew that weekend that I wasn't doing well. Like I was just like, I'm just gonna slack off whatever. It won't be my air check weekend. Nobody will know. So I definitely could have um, I definitely could have worked harder that weekend. Also, in general, I could have worked harder at really learning. I kind of did get overconfident, I think, which is something that I've now learned about myself. All of the times that I've been fired throughout my life is because I get to a point where I'm like, I'm so good at this. I'm not I'm irreplaceable. But I'm always replaceable. And I had to that's something that I've had to learn. So, yeah, I definitely think that I got overconfident and too comfortable in the job and wasn't striving to do my absolute best and keep learning, which is something that I do now, because I know that if I get too comfortable in it, people will know that and they'll know that I'm not I'm not hustling anymore. Yeah. And it's just a,
1: it's a more humble way to go through life because you're right. Like everyone is replaceable. And once you can see the world that way, it just makes work so much easier. Like you, you don't put all your eggs in that one basket emotionally because it's like, no, you could be let go. Mm-hmm. You could be replaced. It, it happens. It happens at the highest levels and the lowest levels. Like it's mm-hmm. not, it, there's no exception unless it's your own company, um, which even then people get replaced. But um, yeah. So You leave that experience, and then is it hard for you to find other jobs? Like, are you now nervous to
0: apply anywhere? Absolutely. It was a complete—because I I loved being in radio, but uh, my confidence was completely gone. So I was applying to radio jobs being like, I'm not going to get it because I'm not good enough. And then also I was just back to that to that post university job searching where nobody wants to hire you because you don't have 5 years of experience but you're still out of university. Also, for this job I had moved my whole life to Hamilton to a new city. Like it so that was a whole other process like thing of it. Like I was like, "Okay, so now I got to make this life in this random city that I've moved to for this job." So it was it was really difficult and I also didn't know what path to take then because I had thought that I was like in radio now and I was like this is great but then my confidence for radio was completely gone so I was like now what what do I do now do I go back to babysitting which I did in the meantime um right. until I found a different job like again
1: you've got this determination when you're in these shitty phases you're a planner so you get up in the morning and go okay how do I get out of this and mm. how am I going to problem solve and then you take action which is wicked but what's the thing that, like, turns that point for you and brings you up to a better better day?
0: Um, I would say probably fear. <laughs> like, I'm scared that mental health-wise I'll get into a rut if I don't keep moving. I think that's probably what gets me up and out of bed is, you know, okay, I got to get through this. And I just got to keep moving.
1: I think a lot of people can relate to these moments, but we all respond differently. You know, for you knowing, like you've talked several times about mental health and um, I think it's interesting you talked about situational depression because I don't really, I haven't experienced depression. If I have, it's been very small. So Mm -hmm. like in these moments, do you know like, okay, this is situational and this is what I need to do and, and it will pass. Or in these moments, are you like, no, I'm screwed. I'm done. And I'm spiraling downwards. And that's when the fear kicks in. Like, is there a difference in your mind at that time?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I know when it's situational, mostly because of the situation that I'm in. But um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I know that in order to feel better, I have to move forward. Like there's if I stay in that spot in that situation, I'm going to spiral. So I have to get out of it in order to skip that that spiraling like
1: where does that come from for you is it is it just second nature when you wake up on the third day of feeling like shit and you go you know this isn't bridget this isn't okay i know where this goes from here what are yeah i guess that's my question is what are some of those tools you've been given that have helped
0: you get out of those shitty phases a big way that i was able to do this was because I got to know myself and I got to know what makes me happy and what makes me determined to get out of situations. So I think doing a deep dive into yourself and being like, okay, so how do I feel? And then research it and be like, okay, so what does that mean? And how can I get out of that? There are so many resources for it. So it's all about just educating yourself on it, I, I, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, totally. And maybe we can put some links and do some research on Things that we can provide for people that may not be comfortable. You know, uh, this past year, a lot of people talked about therapy and it's super necessary right now, but people aren't always comfortable with that. So like, what are different resources? If you could provide some later, that'd be sweet. For sure. Listening to all that, it gives me so much perspective on the, the grind that you have, like when things go up and down for you and when shit goes down it's usually where like you turn a corner and evolve into something different as a friend who's just watched that happen to for you so let's talk about some of those high moments like you're you're still in your 20s now there's still lots of time left but what are what's one of the, the greatest times of your life in your 20s like where things were at their peak um
0: before everything went to shit <laughs> no I'm just... not specific enough <laughs> Like, Ireland, doing Ireland was the peak of my 20s, just because I was out of my comfort zone and I was thriving. That was probably the peak. Okay. Um, Over the past past year has been both a peak and a valley, because I've been in a a stable job, which is kind of the first time I've been in something that I feel secure in, in my 20s, and that happened when I was 26. And that you love... And that I really love, yeah. And that happened when I was 26. Like, I didn't get there easily. So, but feeling secure in that and also having this past year to just kind of learn about myself because I'm not going into the office. I can stay at home. I'm with myself and my thoughts and I'm just doing a deep dive into who I am as a person and discovering that and acting on that. And I think that has been probably one of the peaks of my 20s. Like, that has been the most authentic peak it wasn't like a situational peak like ireland because i'm out there and having fun this has been the time that i've actually been able to learn about myself and figure out what will make me have more peaks in the future yeah and
1: interestingly like you might be in your 50s and look back and ireland will eventually become a smaller peak than this phase like this Mm -hmm. phase if if it is that authentic it is life-changing like you're finding Mm -hmm. A deeper, better version of yourself. And then, and when you hit valleys, that's okay because you've found that version of yourself that feels safer.
0: Going back to getting yourself out of those valleys, figure out how to do it when you're at your peak, because when you're in those valleys and when you're feeling situational depression mm-hmm. and when you're feeling down, you have to, you're not going to want to change yourself. That's not the time to make these, cha- these necessary changes. It's when you're up Think about, okay, what happens if I go back down again? Then how do I get out of it? It's just preparation. I, I know people that when they get fired, they hold so much resentment for their bosses.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's like a shield of them not taking in the self-criticism or like, hey, how could I do better? How do I do better? So even though your self esteem's lost at that time it's not like it's going to be shredded forever because you you were like no that's also on me here's how i can move forward and be better mm-hmm. and i think that's like a really big lesson to be learned especially in our 20s because there is this pushback between generations of like how we work in the workplace and like roles and responsibilities and i see that resistance between bosses who may not be you know a millennial or near their 20s and then, you know, people in and around our age range who like really struggle with authority. And so if you get fired or if you, you get let go, it there is like all this like anger and like resentment that that people will never let go of, which just doesn't mm-hmm. help you when you get into your next job. It just doesn't. Right. Yeah. So like that's that's cool that you were able to like, hey, okay. I'm going to fight tooth and nail so that you have no regrets coming out of it. Like a mm-hmm. hundred years from now, you're going to be able to be like, nah, I did the best I could there. And right. I learned my lessons and I moved forward. And then, so is the next job you get the one you're in now?
0: Yes. I I was back to that post job search, getting, you know, shut down all the time for interviews, whatnot. And then I found my current job at uh, a record label near Hamilton and I was hired by somebody who is going to be on the podcast at some point yeah. um who who's my age, who's close to my age, which I think is one of the reasons why I got into the industry that I'm in is because he was able to see my potential, he was able to see my grind for what I've been doing and we were able to connect over the fact that we were still we were both we were both young. Which is also important for my job because I'm doing social media and digital content and creating a way to, you know, connect to people online and communicate in a different way than people of an older generation ever have. So I think it was really smart of my boss to have the younger guy hire me, hire the social media and digital content person because he is able to see the potential in the candidates that the company needs.
1: Um, Yeah. So I think that's really great. It's like almost like that journey was meant to happen for you to get you here. And then instead of getting here and going, I deserve this and I'm the best for this role and no one's better than me, you are given a really good opportunity, but you've also been given that humility that will hopefully make you 20 times better than you would have been getting that job at 23.
0: Exactly. If I had had this job when I was 23, I would have gotten to that point of overconfidence again. And there have been points throughout this job where I'm like, get. I'm getting to that point and I have to pull myself back. I'm like, no, Bridget, you got to keep hustling. Like you got to keep learning because that's not, you're never done. You got to keep, you got to keep going. Like you can think you're good at your job, but if you think that you're irreplaceable, that's when there's a problem.
1: Oh, but I love that. Like the, you're never done could be, part of everything in your life every aspect of Mm -hmm. right like we talk about being young and in relationships and it's like you're never done you can get the person and it's still work you can get engaged to a person still work and get married and have children it's still work but I think we do have that a little bit of mentality like when I'm in my 20s I'm gonna buy a house and have a job and have babies and have a, a significant other and have animals and I'm done and you're like no you're it's like you're in your 20s like you have so much life left like so much it's ridiculous so like good for you i love that i love that she's like nope yeah. never done come back down to earth punch yourself in the face yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i have another question for you so these are like mm-hmm. more a little bit more rapid rapid fiery questions um okay. if you go back to school now what would you go for
0: media production I would go back for the exact same thing that I went to. Yeah, I would do a master's in media production. That's rad because you can still do that. I can, but I have literally no desire to go back to school. Right.
1: Yeah. In terms of like assignments and shit.
0: Yeah, I just find that I learn better by myself, make my own little plan, YouTube videos. I I have no desire to go back. And in my industry, maybe if I wanted to get a job like CBC or something like that, maybe I would need a master's to stand out. But as of right now... Especially moving to Hamilton, things aren't as as competitive as they are in Toronto, which right. is good.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. So. That's awesome. Yeah. That it it is the thing that you wanted to do after all. Yeah. All absolutely. right. So actually, I had getting fired on here. Funny. Um. Role model.
0: My mom. Your mom? Why? Mm. Hmm. Um. Because she's just the perfect mix between a caregiver and a friend and a parent. Mm-hmm. Um. She's just always managed all of her roles so well. And she's she has so much wisdom and she's just always willing to share it. And she just understands me on a deeper level. Like, even when I don't understand myself, I'll just word vomit to her. And she's like, so it sounds like, and then just puts all my thoughts in a row. And I'm like, yes, that, that's right. Yeah, your mom is a terrific yeah. listener. Like,
1: terrific, terrific. Yeah, she's kind of my mom too. So I can, uh, with pride, say mm-hmm. I agree with you. And that's really awesome because she's so... Close to you. Like a lot of people, if your role model is a person you don't know, that's great. But it's more of an admiration versus like she's in you. She's part of you, right? Like somebody
0: that you want to become. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Someone you want to become for sure. Um,
0: Great. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about that maybe I missed? Um, I want to offer some advice to young 20-year-olds. I have them all – I have them written down. Um. So my advice for people who are 20s or myself when I was younger in my 20s, is that hindsight is 20, 20. You just gotta you gotta work your butt off, just keep hustling and just trust the process because it's all going to come back around and one day you'll be able to connect the dots you'll be able to look back and be like oh okay well i was at the radio station because now i'm doing a podcast like the you'll be able to connect the dots of why you're doing certain things but you got to keep working in order to have that in, in order to have things to connect so that like keep hustling keep working but it's friggin' hard and we all know it and for anybody who's in their early 20s or later 20s, anybody hustling in their 20s, like we feel you. Mm. We get it. It's hard. This is what I would give myself, my advice for my 20-year-old self is take a t- take the time to learn about yourself and your body because I'm a I'm a recovering people pleaser. I'm trying not to <laughs> not not to pl- try to please people so much anymore. Um I'm like uh I I used to spend too much time focusing on other people and not enough time focusing on myself. And that's something that I've learned over the past year when I've only been by myself, um, that I, when I have somebody else in my life, Mm -hmm. I'm focused on them and I really need to start focusing on myself because that's the only way that I'm going to be able to focus on other people is if I know myself deep, deep down. So I would tell anybody in the early 20s to just start that process earlier start thinking about yourself stop worrying about other people stop worrying about what other people think of you to quote Shit's creek nobody thinks about you the way that you think that they think about you <laughs> yeah. so that would be yeah that would be that's my awesome. advice
1: that's fantastic and is so accurate it's gonna be one of those yeah. things that you know a 20 year old walking in might listen to this podcast and go I don't really get that. And then when they're 25, they'll be like, I get that for sure. Hands down.
0: And I get that. You totally get it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So if anyone wanted to connect with you, um, maybe because they relate to your story or they just want to connect, where can they go to,
0: to find you? Uh, on Instagram would be the best bet at Bridget Oro.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you bridge for being my very first interview on talking 20. We know so much about each other, but we have so much more to learn and I'm excited to share your story on our podcast and see how it may help others. Thank you so much for chatting and for anyone listening, uh, please like us and follow us. It really helps when you follow us on your podcast platform, whether that be itunes or spotify or any other podcast platform Uh, following us helps build our awareness and ratings it helps you get notified when we have new episodes coming out and just all around shows us your love and support so again please share us where you can Uh, join us on social media for our shenanigans and have a great day we'll see you guys in a few weeks